Welcome to the Cheryl Broderson Podcast, encouraging and equipping you through the study of God's Word. This is a podcast taken from the Joyful Life Bible Study at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. So I want to talk a little bit about power this morning. And the reason I want to talk about power is uh, maybe four years ago, I was on the East Coast and I was I had done this retreat, you know, just kind of a one-day conference for these Christian women who um, live in New York. And so I was there. And after I had, my daughters were with me, and they always love to get coffee at some, like, new place that my daughter Kristen reads about. She's always reading, and she always finds the best bakery and the best coffee place wherever we are. So she found this coffee place, and we go in there. And I had already had my cup of coffee, and I'm not allowed more than one. And so I'm looking at the menu, and I'm trying to decide, and we're kind of dressed nicely. And um, there's this guy, and he's just kind of looking at us. And so I just smile, because when I don't know what else to do, I smile. And then after the conference, we decided to go to this Mexican restaurant that Kristen also read about. And it was one of those ones where you order at the window, and then you go find a table, and everything's outdoors. And in front of us was that same young man with two other men. And the three men were showing a lot of PDA, okay? Is that what you say? Public display of affection. Quite a bit. And it was a little bit off-putting, right? And so I was nervous. So guess what I did? Smiled. (laughs) And they kept turning around. The one guy's like, like giving me this look, like, you know, kind of like in your face, and you're just like, <laughs> you know, I don't know what else to do. Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not of this world. So as I'm, I'm standing there, he's like, what is it with you? Like this, what is it with you? And my daughters are just like, <gasps> we're not with that woman, you know? What is it with you? Uh, and like, your, your girls, what, you're all like dressed nicely, and there's something about you, what is it? Uh, you know, what, what are you doing? Were you doing a fashion conference? I'm like, no, but thank you, thank you so much. And I said, actually, um, I was speaking at a conference uh, for women. He goes, ah, what is it about women? They all want power. And he goes, gay power. And I'm like, right. I said, you know, I just think that everyone longs for power, no matter what group, no matter who you are, especially as a mother or a wife, you long for power. You want your children just once to obey you at the first suggestion, just one time. Or you want your husband not to ignore you when you call his name. You know what I mean? Like, they never hear the first, Brian! No, it takes like eight. But you just want them, you know, you want that sense of power. You never feel more powerless than when you're a mother with laryngitis. Because they just look at you and like, can't hear you. (laughs) And they keep doing that thing. Years ago, when my daughter Kelsey was little, I found her rummaging with her hands in my purse. And I said, Kelsey, get your hands. I, I said, I said, Kelsey, get out of my purse. And she looked at me. She goes, <laughs> I'm not in your purse. Just my hands are. She keeps going. We long for power. 
But I'm going to tell you this morning the secret of power and the way to power. Power is through prayer. That is your venue to power. And let me tell you this, it's your only venue to power. Because when you pray, you are talking to power. You are communicating with the God of all power. And the more you pray, the more proficient you become in prayer. I have found rocks move when I pray. Mountains move. The impossible becomes possible when I pray. I have had things that I thought will never happen in a million years, and I'm willing to accept it, but I pray, and the Lord works. I've had prodigals, my own prodigals, come back to Jesus because of prayer. Nothing less than prayer. I volunteered to pray for other people's prodigals. Not like, save their prodigal. I mean, every day, praying for prodigals. And I've watched them drop like flies into the arms of Jesus. We need to pray because the power is in prayer. Now, there are many who never develop a prayer life. And I don't know why. Maybe you just think that God's not interested in your issues. Um, maybe you're uncomfortable praying, especially in front of people. I remember this one lady I was praying with, and she was just a new believer, and she's like, I don't know the words yet. I'm sorry. Could you pray for me? And here's what I want. And I said, just say that. She's like, really? Like, to him? And I'm like, yeah, to him. Just just say it, just honestly. Others insist on formulas. Well, you've got to start with the outside with thanksgiving, and then you move to praise, and then you... Can you imagine if you did that with, you know, I don't know, your friend? Like, I'm, I just think you look so good today. I, your face looks great. Love the way you did your hair. Um, I'm thankful that you're my friend. You're so nice. And I need to know, can you lend me $5? <laughs> what an awkward conversation that would be. Wouldn't you feel like she was so insincere? So all of that other stuff was just to get to the $5, right? And that's why I'm not into the formulas. I think we have a lot of misunderstandings about prayer. We think it's all about eloquence. And that the prayers that are eloquent, like, Oh, thou Father of all who loveth us so much. I had a friend that used to pray in King James. You know, it adds a TH at the end of every um, word. Thou loveth, useth, soeth, mucheth. You know, as if that kind of, you know, accent is going to bring the power of God, and God's going to go, oh, I love King James prayers. I'm ready to answer that one right now. No. We, you know, people also think that prayer is about um, saying the right things at the right time. It's none of those things. You know what prayer is? Prayer is simply a conversation, an honest conversation. In the Psalms, David says, you desire truth in the most inward parts. In Psalm 62, verse 8, it says, pour out your heart before God. Pour it out. Now, when I pour out my heart, some ugly things come out. I'll be honest. Some, like, festering feelings. It's like the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. They all pour out. 
And that's what we do in prayer. We pour out our hearts. We pour out our feelings, our thoughts, our hopes, our expectations. We pour it all out. We tend to think that God only hears certain people. I've had more people say, well, you go to the big man because he knows you. You do stuff for him. You pray for me. It's, it's not that one person's prayer is more powerful than another. We all have the same access to the power of God. When my son Char, who now preaches, used to be a little boy, he was adorable. Not that he's not anymore, but when you grow up, you don't use that term for men, adorable. But he used to have this lisp when he talked, like, you know, hello there. And, I mean, he just was so adorable. And my daughter, the one who finds the restaurants, the bakeries, and the coffee shops, she is his um, older sibling by two years. And she realized that he had this power of charm. And so she would send him when she wanted something. Like, he'd come to us like, excuse me, Mom, Dad, do you think that we could have ice cream for dessert tonight? And, you know, he was just so adorable. But we would be at a store, and she'd see somebody had something in their cart, and she'd send Char, like, go ask him what aisle that's on. He'd go, excuse me, sir, I see that you have some delicious-looking pretzels. I was wondering what aisle those pretzels might be on. And, of course, the people would be like, oh, you know? And they would tell him, and, in fact, they'd take him out of their cart most times and just give him to him because he was just that cute. And we tend to think that with prayer. Like, Lord, you want the cute ones praying. You know, who's got a list? Will you pray? And we don't realize that the Lord wants to hear from you. Going back to Kristen, I don't know why she's being highlighted in this study, but I remember when she was in kindergarten, and she came out with a project that she had, well, that they had done in kindergarten that day. And she hands it to me, and I said, oh, did you do this? And she said, no, I didn't like mine. So I bought Gina's for 25 cents. This is hers. It's like, I don't want Gina's. Good or bad, I want what you did. And the same with the Lord. He wants to hear you with your words and your vocabulary and who you are. Now, prayer is not about getting our will accomplished. Prayer is about aligning our will with the will of God, and then things get accomplished. Because, get this, God wants to do something higher and better than even what you want. He wants to go beyond your expectations. He wants to do the unthinkable, the unimaginable. Now unto the God who does exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or imagine. That's our God. And prayer brings us into that. When, when you pray, this expectancy develops in your soul that you're looking for the answer. You're, you're looking and you're seeing God working every place. Because the more we pray, the more conversant and comfortable we get in prayer. The more we pray, the more we see God answering prayer. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, don't 
get stressed about anything. This is good to say to a bunch of women. Don't get stressed about anything, but in everything, by prayer, with supplication, which just means pouring out your heart. Let your requests be known to God. Let your heart's desires, your expectations, let it be known to God. Jesus said that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. What does he mean by seek first? He means pray first. Pray first. Pray first about everything. And as we develop our prayer lives, we are going to feel the power of God. It's like, excuse me, let me talk to my best friend. Lord, <laughs> you hear this. I had a friend um, named uh, Philomena in England, and she would call me and she'd say, Oh, Cheryl, I'm going on the walk with my best friend today, and I want to know, is there anything I can talk to him about for you? That was her prayer walk. And she would call me, Oh, what a wonderful thing. I believe that the greatest deficit in the church today is a lack of prayer. It's a lack of prayer. Rosemary Goforth, who was a missionary in China, when she came back from serving in the mission field some 30, 40 years, um, she was asked to speak in Canada at this Presbyterian church. And the pastor said to her, the one thing we don't want you to talk about is prayer because we know that prayer doesn't work. And we don't want the people just to rely on prayer. We want them to be doers and workers and active. And so she thought about that for quite a time. And she sat down and she began to write down all the answers to prayer that she had experienced her entire life. And out of that came a book, How I Know God Answers Prayer. And it's a classic. And when she got up to speak to that church, she said, I'm going to talk to you about prayer. Prayer is the venue to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10. I'm just quoting Jesus. Together, my desire, my prayer, is that we develop prayer lives lives of prayer, that we all become proficient in conversations with the Lord God Almighty. That is why I want to study Elijah so bad, so bad. I just, I want to grow in prayer. I want to deepen in prayer. My mom was a woman of prayer. She was amazing. I mean, if you had something wrong, you wanted to go straight to my mom because she brought heaven right down to that circumstance. Before my mom, there was my Aunt Isi, and she taught my mom to pray. And I felt with my Aunt Isi that God flung open the doors to let Isi in every time she prayed. I mean, she'd start out with like, oh, 
dear father. Oh, oh. And then she'd go, oh, holy, holy, holy. As if she saw his throne. It's like, totally peeking. Like, I want to see this. My mom was more like, oh, 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 Lord. You hear? You know. I mean, it was that dramatic. And she would be in the prayer room sometimes. You could hear her praying outside the prayer room. You just walk by, oh, okay, he's in there. But she would literally groan in the spirit, but things got accomplished. There was a time my, my youngest daughter was diagnosed with cancer, and we had gone through three, three tests, and she was only 19 years old, and she had just begun to really walk with Jesus. And I said, Lord, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. And Brian was taking her for the biopsy. And I was beside myself. And my mom by this time had pretty much um, slipped into dementia. And she only knew one phone number. That was my phone. That was the only number she called. She would call and she'd go, hello, who is this? I just put these numbers together. And you'd be like, mom, it's Cheryl. <gasps> Cheryl, and who are you? I'm your youngest daughter. <gasps> oh, oh, I have a youngest daughter? Yes. And what's your name? Cheryl, oh, hello, Cheryl, my youngest daughter. And she would take notes and write it down. Like, this is Cheryl, my youngest daughter. She's very intelligent in the present. She's not the past or the future. And so she would do this. And I was crying at the time. And I just thought to the Lord, I don't have time for this right now. And we've been through the whole thing. And she's like, what's wrong? Cheryl, what's wrong? And I was just vulnerable. And I said, Mom, Kelsey's been diagnosed with cancer. She's getting her biopsy today with the oncologist. She's gone through three tests. And I'm just, I'm just struggling. And with that, this woman with dementia launches into prayer. Oh, Father in heaven. And she begins to intercede for my baby girl. And she's, after she says amen, she says, Cheryl, Cheryl? And I said, yes, Mom. She said, I want you to know something. My prayers are powerful. My prayers are heard, and they're powerful. And I thought, oh, cute little demented mommy. You know, isn't this sweet? And she got off, and we hung up, and the Lord said, her prayers are powerful, Cheryl, for this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know what? Don't worry about whether you're asking according to his will. He'll amend it to his will. He'll do the fixing. When you pray, it goes on the altar of heaven, carried there in a golden bowl. It's put on the altar. It's mixed with the incense of heaven. It's lit on fire by angels, and the smoke arises to God. And as that substance of your prayer and the will of God and the heavenly elements is amalgamated, the angels fill up their censers, and they hurl it back to earth. Rem don't believe me? Read Revelations chapter 8. It's right there. And they hurl it back to heaven, and it comes down as thundering, lightning, and earthquakes. Isn't that what you want with your kids? Just a little shaken. We have not because we ask not. Prayer is the venue that God uses to accomplish his will in our lives and the lives of others. But if we're not praying, we're not going to feel it. After my mom hung up, 
The Lord convicted me. She called back. Hello. Hello. Is this Cheryl? Yes. Cheryl, I wrote it down. Now, Kelsey is pregnant? No! <laughs> the the um, biopsy came back two weeks later. All clear. Turned out it was some kind of sore. They don't even know what it was. And I was telling someone, nope, it wasn't cancer after all. It was just like something. And they're like, sure. We're dealing with God. It was cancer, and she was healed. And I was like, amen, amen. You know, I'm just trying to excuse it, making God's job earlier, just heal the lesion. God's like, I'm going to go one better. <laughs> we have access to so much power. We have the potential to change the whole dynamic of Orange County, not by voting for Trump, but by voting and going to Jesus Christ. I am telling you, we are seeking the wrong venues in the wrong way. Not that the others are wrong. They just have no power. Men are strapped. Men don't have the power. God has all power, and he wants to move, and he wants to work. But we have to pray. And we have to pray together, and we have to pray by ourselves, and we have to pray corporately as a body. And that's why we're studying Elijah. Because James 5.17 tells us that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. What does that mean? Well, as you study Elijah, you'll see he's a complainer at times. That he gets afraid at times of a woman. Yeah. That he hides out. You're going to see that he gets concerned. When, when the widow's uh, son dies, and she says, what is my sin? Why is God doing this to me? He goes, give me your son. Then he walks into the room and goes, why are you doing this to her? He's a man with a nature just like ours. You know, sometimes we'll act tough. It's all right. I've got this. And then you go in the room and go, oh, I don't have this with a nature just like ours. But what's the difference? What's the difference? It tells us Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And that can also be, but he prayed. But he prayed. And he prayed. This is what made the difference. This is what overrode that natural nature this is what brought the power of God to the ungodly nation of Israel, to the nation that had forsaken the worship of Yahweh, the great God, in order to worship a calf and to worship Baal, the God of the Sidonians. He prayed. He prayed. And God heard him. He said he prayed for three years that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. And he prayed again, and it rained. And the earth produced fruit. We need to start praying that it rains. That it rains down the Holy Spirit. That it rains down the power of God. And that the earth will respond by bearing fruit. This year, we've made the homework lighter. Woo! 
We want it to be more meditative because we want you to be able to really think about this. Consider reading the passage over every day. We want you to be able to have time to think about it, to ponder it. We want you in your group to have more opportunities to talk and not have to rush through your questions like, all right, we've got to get to day five. No more of that. We want you to have more opportunity to pray in your group together that you might see God work. And so for this, we've changed it to a lighter study. But also, sometimes we're taking in too much information and we forget because there's too much coming at us. So it's one story, one story, so you can truly know this story. When we finish this, you will know Elijah. You will know him so well. I believe that God has great things in store for us this year. As we meet together each week, even that has power. As we worship together, that has power because you know most of our songs are prayers. And as you read and study the life of Elijah and meditate on it, thinking it over again, there are promises in the Bible about if we meditate on the scripture. That doesn't mean just read through it. It means thinking and pondering it. In Joshua 1.8, God said to Joshua, this word of the Law will not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate in it day and night, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What's that? Then you will have power. Power to lead. Power to guide these people where they need to go. Power to conquer the enemies in the land. In Psalm 1, it says, blessed is the man who meditates in the word of God day and night, then he will be like a tree planted, not moving, not unstable, but planted by the rivers of living water. And his leaf will not wither. He'll bear fruit in its season. And whatever he does will prosper. What is that? That's power. That's power as we become proficient in meditation and prayer. So you're going to read and study the life of Elijah. Then we're going to come together and we're going to listen to a teaching on God's word that will be provoking, inspirational, and Lord willing, a blessing. And then we're going to discuss together what we've gleaned. So even if you haven't done, if you don't have a chance to do your lesson, please come back. You'll hear the story of Elijah over and over again. At least you'll be able to discuss it. You'll be able to hear about it. We will be receiving edification. We will be giving edification because your responsibility is not only here, but it's to participate, to talk, to pray, to, to be part of the body of Jesus Christ. And we will be provoking each other and inspiring each other, not to competition, but to love and good works, as it says in Hebrews 6.10. So, I'm oh, sorry, 10.6. A little dyslexia there. 
It's not in my notes, too, so I might not be right about six, but I know it's in ten. So as we pray together, as we pour out our hearts to God, as we learn from Elijah's example of prayer, oh, we will grow. I believe that God has put Elijah on our hearts to have this lesson because God wants to start doing some thundering, some shaking, and some good lightning bolts to come down before he comes again. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you that we get to be together as a company of women, that we get to be understood, that we get to be heard, that we get to be known, that we get to be loved, that we get to be inspired, that here in this place the lies of the devil are exposed and rebuked and seen as they are lies. And truth is known, the truth about how desperately you love us, the truth about who we are in Jesus Christ, the truth about our forgiveness of sins, the truth about how we are wanted, how we are known, the truth about how we belong in this place at this time. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus so much, and we thank you for this time. We pray a blessing on the groups, a blessing on the discussion. We pray for friendships to be made. We pray for prayer alliances to be made. We pray for, we pray to pray. We pray that we might become women who pray and speak to power. In Jesus' name, amen.